0: Welcome to Have You Not Heard, a podcast hosted by licensed counselor and author of The Perfecting Storm, Angel H. Davis. Join her as she shares stories of hope and restoration from her 30-plus years of healing experience. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking your own licensed mental health professional, but a source of inspiration for your own journey. If you enjoy what you hear, be sure to like, subscribe, and rate this podcast now here's angel hey you guys welcome back i hope you've had a good week despite covid and chaos and culture issues continuing hope that your eyes have been on jesus and all that he is doing and has done and plans on doing in our world he is still on the throne his truths still prevail He is light in every dark place, and we've been talking about that through this marriage series, and we are wrapping that up today, and we're going to wrap it up with two different stories. One story of redemption that ended up with the marriage intact and moving forward, and one story that ended up in divorce, which you wouldn't call a redemption story, but yet it is, and we look forward to hearing about that. But first, we're going to hear from Tonda B. Solomon. She is a friend I met through a mutual friend, and she's a mother, a wife, a grandma. She's called Gigi. She's a daughter, a sister, a mentor, a friend. She's also a talented singer. She's an artist, and she's a new author. And she's going to talk about her novel, Surviving Love as well as her redemption story with her husband, Keith. They met in college and they went on to uh, raise four sons. He had a successful career. They helped with church planning, led worship, traveled in Europe and Ireland and Australia doing evangelism. And then Keith's affair interrupted their marriage. So in her own words, she's grieved the loss of hope deferred. She's truly knows how it makes a heart sick, but yet it doesn't have to destroy you. She has watched God redeem and refine through all the different ups and downs in their journey. And she's seen his faithfulness And in God's economy, she can say with confidence that all is well. You're going to be inspired. So without further ado, let's hear from Tonda. Hey, Tonda, thanks so much for taking your time and being with us today. How's it going over there?
1: It is fantastic, Angel. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Good, 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 good. Well, before we dive into your
0: ministry and telling us a little bit about you, can you tell us... um,
1: how you're doing during this time. What's it like in your area that you're living in? Well, you know, Angel, I've been very blessed to be able to, I've been a stay at home mom for years, although I don't stay at home a whole lot, but right? um, but, I, but I have created a space here in my home for not just me, but our family to be comfortable and to be um, just at ease. And so I hope that we've kind of felt safe and in a haven because we've stayed home. We've, really not gone out a lot we my -hmm. husband and I've done a little bit of travel just back and forth maybe to friends or family Mm -hmm. Um, but other than that you know we're doing well we've been extremely blessed that our all of our crew which I refer to my husband and sons and their significant others you know they've all been essential and needed and so we're great really in spite of everything
0: that's awesome. That's so good to hear. So anything else you want to tell us about your family or tell us more
1: about you and your ministry? You know, um, Angel, I'm a mom of four sons. I would always say boys, but guess what? They're men now. <laughs> so right,
0: right. I have to
1: remind myself but um, they are incredible. They are like 25, 28, 30, and 32 and one of them's engaged and just, you know, we've got a lot of fun things going on. I do have two incredible little grandchildren. children. They are uh-huh. um, four and six. I have four sons and my first grandchild was a boy, but I finally got that little girl. Oh, my goodness. She is just my heart and the sass the sass is out of the roof. (laughs) I can only imagine. I mean, and how a
0: girl interrupts all that boyness that how fun is that? That's cool. Absolutely. Well, what about your faith journey? When did you
1: become a follower of Christ? And do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I will. You know, I was always, I have a friend who jokes uh, she calls me Jesus' little sister. And that's because I tell people I was born on the church steps. My uh-huh. family, you know, we were there when the doors were open, if they were cleaning the toilets or if we were having revival, it didn't matter. We were just there. And my parents were very involved and therefore we were. And so I grew up with the benefits of Sunday school and vacation Bible school and And then even myself leading church camps, I started doing that when I was 13. And Mm. um, so I've been so rooted and grounded in that. So my salvation experience came uh, when I was 10 years old and I was very blessed to have my mother actually lead me to the Lord. Mm. Um, The the crux of it is, uh, I was just having this discussion with one of my sons yesterday that the lordship, you know, we accept him as savior and Lord, but I don't think we're even mature enough to grasp what that means, the lordship part at the beginning. And so I would say in my late twenties, I began to wrap my my brain around the fact that, you know, there was a lot to this besides just having, as they like to say, fire insurance, you know, right? Um, I was, I was like, just beginning to tap into all that being a child of God meant. So wow. that, that was the beginnings. Okay. Well, and we're going to talk about that more in a minute, but
0: what maturity, even in your twenties to understand, start exploring Lordship. That's pretty cool. We'll get back to that, but, but I don't want to be remiss in mentioning about your new book that launched in March and I have had the privilege of reading it and it oh. is such a sweet Story, and even more than sweet, knowing that it comes out of a heart of true testimony and walking, you know, in God's redemption, but it is a good beach read, good summary, good Hallmark mm-hmm. story. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: so. And you know what the cool thing is is that Hallmark stories are very predictable, but this story is right. Um, it's it's technically true. So I'll just tell you, my book is Surviving Love is the name of it and it is a novel. Mm-hmm. Um, it did come out of my own story and what I like to tell people is the story is not my story. It is totally fabricated in this very imaginative brain that I have. Mm-hmm. But the the girl in the story is a hundred percent me. It is who I have become through years of life living uh heartache, ups and downs, and I just wanted to share that with people in a very engaging way and I think and I hope that's what my story does that's great
0: I I would highly recommend it and I think you do a great job in that and so do you mind um sharing whatever part of your own personal testimony you feel led to share with
1: us absolutely um I am a Georgia girl originally. I'm sure nobody (laughs) can tell that from my accent.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, those people that aren't from the South are trying to figure out where you were. So that's probably helpful (laughs) to know that this is
1: a Georgia accent
0: or one of them anyway.
1: So, you know, I was born and raised there. I went to college and I've always been very musical. And so one of the first things I did in college was go in and get involved with several groups and it was in that time that I met my future husband. At first, we were just singing partners, and then uh, we were paired up in a jazz ensemble that represented the school and traveled. It was so much fun, mm-hmm. and we um, and so our relationship developed over a couple of years, and we got married in 1984. Um, you know, you we all start out in life with these dreams and what things are going to look like, and And Mm. some things did and some things didn't, but nothing was major. So we just, you know, jumped right in with both feet and continued to sing. My husband was in law school at the time and he went on to get his law degree. We returned to deep South Georgia where he was from. That's his roots. And Mm -hmm. um, he set up a law practice, but we were very blessed during that time to uh, become involved as we were having these boys to become involved in a ministry that uh, ministers to pastors all over the world, and we would go a couple of times a year and lead worship at these conferences and we just had i felt like such a great life my we had built our dream home out in the country and we just things were good we hosted people in our home we had my brother had come to that town it was douglas georgia and we began uh, a church there together and he pastored and I led worship with Keith helping and my sister in law was um the the children's minister and we things were just really, really grand. Um and this was all started around two thousand and then in two thousand I'd say late two thousand two, early two thousand three, I just began to pick up on some unsettledness in my mm-hmm. husband. You know, mm-hmm. we were in those 40 year, early 40s and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And people have always said, you know, men go through things and they have these little crises of where where am I and who am I and those kind of things. And right, I chalked it up to that. I said, this is this is all it is, because the two of us were best friends. We had always been best friends. And he mm-hmm. just began to exhibit qualities that I didn't recognize. Um And so as a result of that, um, I remember very clearly in, in April of 2003, standing on the platform on a Sunday morning, leading worship, and a lot of churches have that greeting time. And I stepped back to where he was on the keyboard and I said, you know, I know something's going on and I just think maybe we should get away. Let's take a vacation, you know, and he just looked at me and smiled and we resumed what we were doing after church. He put me and the boys in the car because he had to go to an appointment, something to do with uh, an, a person he represented. And we drove to our home out in the country and we unloaded just like you do with belts and shoes. Everything's flying. Right. And I'm, I go back to my bathroom and there on my bathroom sink is an envelope. And um, I mean, I can I get that feeling in my gut, even as mm. I say those words, because I picked up that envelope and began to read um, how he never loved me, and he didn't really, he married me because it was the right thing to do, and all these things. Wow, wow, that just punch you in the gut.
0: Mm-hmm. And so,
1: all these things that were uh, opposite of what you
0: believed your relationship was about, absolutely, like. absolutely. Wow. And okay. you know,
1: somebody asked me, they said, what did you do in that moment? And I said, in that moment, for, for me as a mother of four, and they were young at the time,
0: mm-hmm. all I could think
1: of is my children. What do I need to do to protect my children? Here's the thing, Angel. Uh, my husband's name is Keith and I have his permission to, to uh-huh. talk about him because we respect each other that way. He, Thank you um, for us. Thank yes, you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He left. This was in April. He came home pretty quickly. And we kind of began a journey of of uh, researching and, and going to a few counselors and that sort of thing. But I don't know. You know, we're naive. And, and I thought, well, this is good. And he's, he's on a journey now. He's free from uh, his past, which had involved other encounters and had gone all the way back to some things to his childhood that I had no idea about. And we had been married 18 years at this point. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, um, you know, I, we we were doing, I thought all the right things. And then in July, I began to notice our late June, that, that kind of attitude and everything again. And in July, he left again. Mm. And so this time he stayed gone longer. And when he wanted to come back, that was when I probably, uh, might've looked the least like Jesus. (laughs) Right. As as we can do in our flesh. And, um, just told him I needed him to take some very specific steps and we were blessed to be able to go for 10 days to an intense counseling facility in Colorado and we went and we did that and then we came back and from there we we really there was that you could tell there was a heart change and that we were both better people for it right Um, And then as crazy as it seems in October, it happened again. And so that was when I really put my foot down. And um, from there, it was like, that was all I needed to say. And he, he, thank God, just decided that he wanted his family. And um, it's been a long, hard journey, but we are Mm -hmm. just celebrated 35 years. So, wow. Congratulations. That is true
0: redemption, Can you take us back a little bit and kind of tell
1: us more about the healing journey? I, when my first thought, again, being my children, for some reason, God enabled me to kind of step back personally and take Mm -hmm. myself out of the equation. You know, when somebody that you've loved and committed your life to rejects you, it's hard for Mm -hmm. sure. But for uh-huh. some reason, I was just able to say, you know what, in this moment, it's not about me. It is about having these four boys. And for them, it was needing a father who was uh-huh. a man of God and someone they could look up to. And so in in that moment, two things were beginning to happen. Number one, I was beginning more and more to find my identity Uh, completely and solely in who I was as a child of God and not because I was Mm. Keith's wife or my boy's mother or, you know, anything like that. But more importantly, I began to to see Keith as a very broken and deceived brother in Christ. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I had to remember, you know, at the beginning, we were just best friends. And so what would I want to do for my best friend? And there was no, you know, I told somebody yesterday, I loved him, but I sure didn't like him very much. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so, you know, God began to deal with my heart and he said, you know, Tonda and, and listen, all this was not, there was a lot of discouragement and disillusion in my brain, but he would say, you know, I need you. You're supposed to love me with all your heart, so but love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm like, Lord, who is my neighbor? And He said, There's really not anybody closer to you than that man you sleep with every night. And right. so um I, of course, at this point was not, but I just began to think, you know, what would I want somebody to do for me? I would want them mm-hmm. to to pray for me. And you know, First Corinthians 13, there's a section in there. That says love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Well, we like, we don't Mm -hmm. mind bearing another's burden and we don't mind hoping for them, but to believe for them that they're going to be a better person and to endure what you have to go through to see them there, if that makes sense. Um, Yes, it does. It's like carrying a wounded brother or sister in a battle, you know? Yes. Um, And that's, that's
0: amazing grace that um, God gave you that sacrificial love, that ability to sacrificially love at that moment. I mean, that that's like part of the miracle of the redemption. Yeah, because, and, and, and it's fruit from your relationship with God before. So you, you know, you, I heard somebody say it the other day, really, well, I put myself in the position for God to be able to do all the miracle stuff he did. So the fact that you had that ongoing relationship puts you in position to hear him, to know him, for him to work on your heart. But that's amazing. That's amazing grace. It is,
1: uh, it is, it is. You are so right. And, And I sit back and I look back and I think, you know, sometimes we just happen to be right person at the right moment and Mm -hmm. and we don't understand Mm -hmm. even how we became that way. But I had spent a lot of time. We had our home was seven miles out of town and three miles down a dirt road. So people didn't just pop in to visit or anything (laughs) like that. (laughs) And so when my boys would go to school in the morning, I just I had I had never been a really good student of the word of God. I loved good preaching but mm-hmm. to, for me to sit in it. And I had prayed for years. I mean, when I say years, angel, I mean, mm-hmm. like, like probably 15 or 20 years that God would just give me a hunger for his word. Mm-hmm. And he did, he did. I mean, now my husband's like, okay, there's things that need to be done. You got to get up. You know, <laughs> <laughs> C- <laughs> he, Come on, Mary, be exactly, Martha for a little bit. right? <laughs> exactly. But, but at that time I did, I Um, had Mm. been spending a lot of time in the word of God because I was out there by myself and you can only clean a house so much. And then, you know, so, so he had been very graciously, uh, inviting me in to sit with him and prepare myself. I think when I was, uh, four years old, I remember the very first Bible verse I ever memorized was in Psalms. Um, it says when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. And Mm. I, pull, you know, even something as simple as that being hidden in my heart, we should never underestimate the power of having children under the word. Um, I I pulled from that verse and, And I would just claim that, you know what, I'm afraid God. And he began to give me other verses. Like I haven't given you a spirit of fear. I've given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind and,
0: you Mm -hmm. know, things
1: like that. And so that was powerful for me.
0: Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Amazing. So the power of the word, uh, we don't want to underestimate the power of Depending on him, because who else could you depend on in the, that moment and that in that place of crises and then watching him work and following him um mm-hmm. very amazing so through this this storm of your marriage, and you know some people we have a different but similar story, and I've told that so I don't need to tell more of that but I know that some people come to me and they want the quick fix they want. You know oh well, how did you do this and what steps did you take but it's really a journey of transformation yes. Oh, so yes w- what was that you know not exact time frame, but you know what would you say it took you you did some intensive stuff in the beginning that was important that laid a foundation um, but it's about working these things out. I would assume that was a process for y'all
1: it it genuinely was, and you know my um we i'll have to say a couple of things number one one thing i learned was it takes two to tango and Uh i was very open i was not really worried about him coming home to me i was more worried about him coming back to his first love and that was the lord and so for me i'm i'm sitting there looking at that but but at the end of the day you know it is about okay we god can heal i believed fully god could accomplish anything and so if we could get him back where he needed to be, I felt like we could become who we needed to be, whether we were together or apart. And I wanted Uh to be together, but if we were apart, you know, I I wanted him to be healed and whole and able Uh to let go of his past and all those things. And so we made the decision in 2004 to relocate our family to Franklin, Tennessee. So we Uh had always heard if there's uh, infidelity, that it's a very good idea to move. And that sounded bizarre to me. My husband was uh, a very well-established attorney in his hometown where everyone knew him. He was the county attorney and he was also uh, rep- in the represented a physician that owned uh, several um the managing company for several hospitals. And he was just, we were well ingrained. And like I said, I had my dream home and all those things. But all I kept thinking about was um, that old Keith Green song. So you want to go back to Egypt because Uh you want, you know, you had all the cucumbers and all these kind of things and you're going, but you were in bondage. And so when I would think about that, God would say, Tonda, you were in bondage. Your husband was in bondage. You don't want to go back there. And Uh so we moved that was in 2004 and for you know for years i began to deal with my personal stuff with him mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. rejection the heartache could i trust him one of the best mm-hmm. things i learned in our counseling time in colorado was that I could never, I, I couldn't trust Keith. I would never trust him again. But but the counselor, he said, you should have never trusted him in the first place. And I'm thinking, right. Well, all right, wait a minute. And then he goes, and the truth is, he shouldn't trust you either. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, your, your brain's going, where are we going with this? And then he said, the only thing that you can trust in another individual is what you see Jesus doing in their life. Mm. and we took that to heart and you know one of the sweetest things that's come out of this angel is once we got settled here in Tennessee uh, my husband began a practice of every single morning praying with me before he left for work um I had a lot of struggles with depression deep depression all kinds Mm. of things like that and um he would pray with me every morning it was good for our sons to see that we would be in the middle of breakfasts and getting ready for school and if it when he was about to walk out the door everything stopped and he and i held hands and prayed mm-hmm. because when somebody talks to god you can hear in their voice if there's a personal level there or if there's if, it, or if it's wrote, practiced rehearsed you know mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so, That was a beautiful gift. So I will say that that first year, my husband went through the healing, cathartic, whatever he needed to, to begin anew. Then I Mm -hmm. started dealing with my stuff and it took me a lot longer really than it did him because I was, in fact, I told somebody the other day, I still, every now and then will pick up his phone and check it. It's Mm -hmm. habit. It's, it's that whatever. Knee jerk
0: reaction from the trauma.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah.
0: Right. Something
1: something will trigger, you know, they, they say we have triggers in our life. That mm-hmm. Something will trigger mm-hmm. that in me. And I'll think, that's too familiar. I need to check up on that. And then, I mean, we could go for four days letting me talk about all the things that I have learned to speak to myself. I have written on, I have a little plate I write quotes on in the kitchen. And right now it's one by T.S. Eliot, and I'll probably paraphrase, but it says, no you know if you quit now you won't know how far you could go mm-hmm. and I think yes. a lot of times in marriages people just quit and and they don't yes. allow God to show them what he can do
0: yes yes and now that, that is such an important message and I've I've preached that before I just said it recently. <laughs> that it's we give up, we give up, and that's uh, then God can't do anything at that point. So you keep in the game and you keep making steps, and you are looking for those little things of transformation. And it sounds like you did that. And you know, in this day and age, where we want to talk about um, you know women's live, and we want to you know it's all about the women, which. God elevates women, so we don't even need to worry about that. He, Amen. Amen. Yeah, I, I mean, from way back when, before it was cool, God was elevating women against the culture. So, as. Absolutely. A, Preach as God, that, girl. <laughs> yeah. As, as godly women, we don't have to fight for our authority and our right because it's already God given. And so, when we submit, and that's what your story is so great about, it's showing us is. You know, because a lot of people would say, why'd you give him that third chance? Why'd you give him that second chance? You know, even in the beginning and, but you're staying in the game with God, you're listening to him, you're doing it his way. And now you have this testimony, not easy, hard, you did the hard stuff, but you have this testimony to
1: share and to give, encourage other people with, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I think One of one of my many favorite verses is the uh, passage in Luke when Peter, you know, says, Lord, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. And he says, by the way, Peter, Satan has asked permission to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that when you overcome, you'll be able to strengthen the brethren. And I, you know, I sat back and I I would because I've quoted that verse before this all happened in my life to other people. And I was like, "Okay, so let's look at this. Number one. Satan had to go to God and ask permission for this to come in my life. And God would not have put me in Keith's life if he did not know he would equip me to get him through or to see him through it. Now, I didn't get him through it, but I saw him through it. Mm-hmm. And then, so, so Satan came much like Job and said, have you checked out Tonda down there? She's got the house in the country with right. the four kids. And, the, and God goes, just wait a minute. I've, I've got faith in my girl. She's, we're going to do this, you know? And, and at the end of the day, that's, that was all a matter of me choosing to stand on what I'd always preached, to stand that, on what I'd sung about for years. Um, that, and, that, and That's powerful. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yep. In Malachi, there's a passage that says, um, it's, it's referring to the tithe, but it says, test me in this and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. And then he says, good measure, pressed down, you know, all the second together, running over. Mm-hmm. I, I began to apply that to what my entire family could look like. If I just held on, you know, Exodus 14, be still Tonda and I will fight for you. I'm a big believer in putting your yes. name in scripture. Yes, yes. <laughs> And then again, in Chronicles, when he said, this battle is the Lord's, you just need to stand down today. This battle is mine. And I recognize that this really and truly was not about me. I had a lot of stuff I needed to deal with. I promise you. But in this moment, it was about my husband overcoming years of of uh, hidden secrets and Mm -hmm. deceit in his mind to mm-hmm. get to the other side and said, so that was what enabled me in that moment to forgive two and three and probably other times, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, God's word, we just got to hide his word in our heart or we're not going to survive.
0: Mm-hmm. That is a great, uh, word, For somebody who's in the middle of it, or there's marriages going great, or they've come to the other side. So that's amazing. Any last advice you would give people that seem to be
1: an impossible place in their relationship? Um, I've been studying in the book of Zechariah, and in chapter nine, at the beginning, there's a verse that uh, I had never noticed this phrase. It says, for the eyes of humanity are on the Lord. And at the end, at the at the crux of everything, you're getting all kinds of advice from people. People are speaking into your life. This is what you should do. God mm-hmm. wouldn't expect you to put up with that. Who's who knows what God expects us to put up with or to be that, his, his girl in that moment, you know? And wow. so don't listen to people, lean into the Lord and remember, He is not the loud, clamoring voice. It is the still quiet voice. I would wake in the middle of the night. I could not sleep. And I would go and open my Bible in my lap and start reading out loud. And I might have been in the book of Numbers, but I just read out loud because I knew it was the truth. And I had been so lied to that I needed, I just needed truth being openly out in my home. And so I would just read. Mm. God will speak to you. He cares so deeply for us. We're his creation and he's not going to forsake us. He's not going to leave us. He doesn't even blink away from our situation so don't engage people's well-meaning opinions and thoughts you decide in that moment who you're going to be um and and stand on that wow and uh and then if i could just speak for a moment to people who've come through because that again was the hard part for me and sometimes i just wanted to tattle On Keith Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say he did this and this and this was already going on in my life I had this you know there's no crisis that's an island there's always about 10 things going on at one time Mm -hmm. and so I have uh, a lot of friends who have come through on the other side and and I've told my story and as I'm over the years I've kind of changed it and tweaked it because here's what I know Angel Stories are so important. I love nothing better than to sit. My husband says I should have been Oprah. I love to ask questions. (laughs) I love to uh, interview, kind of like you're doing. But the important thing in a person's story is not where it happened. And it's not who was in our story. Because if you start telling who was in your story, then it becomes their story, too. And I don't have permission to tell another person's story unless I get their permission. Mm -hmm. I just needed to talk about who I was. And it's not even when it happened. I have myriads of friends who keep dates of terrible things there's an old joke that i love this good old baptist preacher joke but it's um a couple's in there with their pastor counseling and the man says pastor I just every time we argue she becomes historical and he says you mean hysterical don't you and he says no historical she brings up every bad thing I've ever done in our marriage right. and so uh, I think that as as you know we become those people who begin to ball things together and we keep adding to that snowball and keep adding. To, and so we allow those triggers a date a song uh somebody's clothing they wear a million different things to steal our joy and so it's not about the who what where when it is about who we choose to be in that moment and Mm. that was probably one of the most empowering things that I would say to somebody in it somebody who's come out on the other side the choices I made were mine alone no one Mm -hmm. governed those options they didn't say you can choose this is this and this is what you need to choose because that pertained to the person i was the character of who my god was the eyes Mm -hmm. of the universe are on the lord well he lives inside of me so they're watching me too Mm -hmm. and um so a lot of choices have been made for me my husband had made some horrible choices for us because we were one on behalf of me that i had no idea about but it i had no say in that, but I did have a say in who I would choose to be and what I was going to look like when I came out on the other side, because he was praying for me at the right hand of the father and he knew I would come out.
0: That's awesome.
1: And such a
0: great place to leave it, that all God needs is one heart that's open to do his will. And then he leads that healing process. Powerful story, Tonda. Thank you so much for sharing it parts of it with us today. I know we could talk forever and ever and have more to say, but those are such great uh, nuggets of truth and wisdom that I know will help many. Hey, before, as we close up, do you mind praying
1: for people? Oh, I'd be be, delighted. Thank you. I'd be delighted. Mm -hmm. Father God, we just love you so much. You are so faithful and true. I, I can't thank you enough For telling us those were your that's your name faithful and true, and God I believe with all of my heart that the people today who are even listening in this moment, whoever they may be, they are listening because you know they need to hear the truth that you want to share. God, you love us so immeasurably and completely. We are your beautiful creation, and so God, I pray for hurting hearts. I pray I pray for people who some people have pretty much carried deceit with them people lying to them their whole lives i pray that they will just completely turn to you and let you speak truth to their heart god our hearts are deceitfully wicked so help us to hide your word there so that when the enemy and sometimes that's us begins to speak untruths over us that we will say god what did you say will you remind me what you said about me lord you are so good you are you are faithful and true. May we never forget that. And one day when we stand before you, we won't give an account, God, for what anybody else chose, but we will we will give an account for what we chose and who we chose to be. God, give us discernment and wisdom and just that power and sound mind to choose wisely. And in the meantime, help us to love each other well as you have loved us. And we thank you and we praise you and we ask everything in your holy, matchless name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tonda. Thank you, Angel.
0: Wow. Thank you, Tonda, for a great testimony and so many nuggets of wisdom in that about healing and how to stay in the game with God to let God do the impossible through your impossible situations. So we're going to segue to another story, and this is a story of redemption through divorce. Like we've talked about, not every marriage is going to be redeemed. We live in a sinful, broken world. And so one person doing what God can do in their heart does have the power to change a relationship but eventually it does take two to make that happen. So, let's hear a story of one that didn't make it, that ended in divorce and look at how God's healing prevails. And this is from a woman I'll call Susan and these are her words that I'm sharing. I am the oldest of six kids and a pastor's daughter. I grew up in a big church in a small town. To say I was a people pleaser is an understatement. So as I went into my teenage years, I dated a little but did not have great experiences. I was on a mission trip and was molested by my high school boyfriend. And then later, I dated a guy that was a youth pastor He broke up with me during our family trip to Israel. Bad timing, to say the least. And needless to say, I had some wounds from those experiences. And out of those wounds, I made a decision. I'm done with Christian men. They bring nothing but pain. So after high school, I went on to pursue a cosmetology license. And during that time, I met a non-believer when I was buying a car he asked me out and I thought, Hey, this is a guy that what you see is what you get different than those Christian guys I had dated. So I decided to go, we dated for almost a year and then found out I was pregnant with our daughter. We decided to get engaged, but we waited till after she was born to get married. So we got married and then subsequently had two boys. My older son was born with a cleft lip. And then around age three, I noticed a delay in his growth. It wasn't until he was about six that he was given the diagnosis of sensory processing. At age eight, he was diagnosed on the autistic spectrum. At this point, I could no longer put Jesus on a shelf. I needed him on behalf of my son. So I went after Jesus with my whole heart. My mother's heart was breaking for him. It rocked our marriage because my husband was not into Jesus. So it was a difficult time for us. But then at some point, he found Jesus. So we did pretty well for a few months, but obviously he wasn't in it with his whole heart like I was. Because he ended up going back to his old ways and really even worse than those four months that he said he was following Jesus. And that hurt more than anything, I think, because my hope had been in him changing. So in my heart, I always knew something was going on and I started to pray for truth to be revealed. And boy, did God answer that prayer text messages that were meant for his girlfriend somehow went to my dad's phone instead. Go figure. But there it was in print. He had been cheating on me. So after years of struggling and knowing something wasn't right, I had proof that I needed, that his heart was not changing. So I decided to meet with a divorce divorce lawyer. Yet God had been working in my life and he continued. The very next day, I interviewed for a new job. And by his grace, I got the job as a preschool teacher. Boy, that interview is a blur. But I was put in a godly environment and had the privilege to work with godly women daily. It was and it still is a gift. Part of the healing and restoration that God had already planned for me. So after my divorce, I felt the oppression from the marriage had lifted, and I felt free. Yet it wasn't long until Satan began to attack. I have always struggled with worry, self-doubt, people-pleasing, fear. Those had superseded our marriage and were exacerbated through our struggles. But Satan may have a plan, but God's plan is always greater. So... Through healing prayer and programs like Divorce Care and Celebrate Recovery, I have found freedom. I have a new life in Christ. I have learned the truth that I am enough and I'm worthy of God's love. He is the one that defines my worth and fuels my life with love. I have learned that as a single mom, it's okay to be concerned. We should be. It's when we step into worry that we cross the line because then we are trying to do God's job for him, which doesn't work so well, I can testify to that. I've learned that trust is allowing the Lord to guide our steps and to move in our life, to laugh at the days to come because we don't have to fear. Through prayer, God has given me tools to fight off worry and fear. I picture a box of like a plexiglass box around me. The arrows of worry and fear rush at me from the enemy, but they bounce off. This frees me to focus on God and his word instead. And through his truths and putting on the armor of God, those are literal shields for me. I can focus on that more than the arrows and I don't buy into the bait of Satan to try to do God's job for him which I've already said doesn't work so well. So my pain has now become my purpose. The Lord has given me a deep empathy for other single moms. So right now I'm pursuing a counseling certification to point others to Jesus in their pain so they can get healing also. Through all my ups and downs in my life, I'm thankful of this. As I look back, I can see that Jesus has never walked away. He has walked beside me every step of the way, even when I wasn't pursuing him. So I now have freedom in his name. I have a life of joy and purpose through his redemption. And you can have that too, no matter what your life story is. Seek him and his truth for you. You won't regret it. That is a powerful testimony, Susan. Thank you so much for allowing me to share that with others. I pray and I know that other people will be inspired because again, in this life, we will have trouble as Jesus promises, but he has overcome and no matter our life stories, we can overcome through him. So as we conclude this series on marriages, I just want to thank you for tuning in. I pray that you've received healing for yourself. Some truth that has renewed your mind, that has healed your heart, that has helped you have a paradigm shift to see yourself through, through God through, through your spouse through, to um, pursue his truth above all else because that is what is eternal and that's what matters. So God bless you on your journey. I look forward to talking about more healing, more stories of redemption. But if you have questions about marriage in particular or about your own situation, And you want to contact me, you can find me on Instagram. You can direct message me, and I can give you some resources to check out if you want to further your healing process. So God bless, have a great week, and I look forward to talking to you next week.